going to come and uh, explain to us. But before uh, Beulah comes up and read, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we've just sung about in, in the song just now the power of your word. Generations come, generations go, but your word is firm. Your word is still there. And Lord, we thank you that your word speaks. Pray that you would give us open ears, open minds and open hearts this evening to what you are teaching us. And just thank you, Lord, that you are the God who speaks to us through your word. Amen. The reading this evening is taken from the second epistle of Paul the Apostle to Timothy to be found on page 1196 because we're going to read the last two verses and then it goes on to chapter 3 to chapter 4 through to 5 verse 5 All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom I give you this charge. Preach the word Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Good evening to you. Good to see you. Please keep that passage open in front of you. This is breathed out by God. So let's pray for ears to hear his voice. Great God, we recognize that for us creatures to hear from the creator, a mighty thing must happen. But it is possible by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit. So we pray that your spirit-given word would be heard by us and impact us for good and for the glory of your Son. Amen. A question for particularly the Christians here this evening. Which of the following would concern you more? You receive an aggressive letter in the mail from a non-Christian opposing and threatening you because of your Christian beliefs. Or, in the Sunday services here, we stop having sermons and replace them with group discussions. Which would concern you more? Many today don't care much 
for preaching. God is not one of them. Take a look with me. Chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Preach the word. Dialogue is good. Dialogue is important. But so is monologue. Preach the word. You see, our world, our country, our neighbourhoods, our schools, our churches, though many do not know it or believe it, they, we, are in great need of listening regularly and attentively to the preaching of the word of God, to the preaching of the Bible. Now, you might think I'm biased, okay? But, but this is not my opinion. And indeed, I primarily believe it because it is here in the word of God. You see, to preach the word is for pastors a God-given duty. There's nothing casual or inconsequential about this charge, is there? And one of the dangers of the life in which we live is a sort of superficial frivolity about so much of life. By contrast, this is deadly serious. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. We all need to know this about pastors. Pastors do their ministry under the watchful eye, not primarily of their church, but of their God. God the Father, of God the Son. You can see that at the beginning of verse 1. And when the Son appears, returns, he will call both the pastor and the people he has served to account. So what must pastors do now in the light of that coming judgment? We must preach the word. It is not optional for your pastor to preach. It is a simple matter of obedience to God. You see, Jesus Christ knows what people need most. People need the word preached to them. And so then the practice of preaching is not a matter of a particular heritage or history. Say, you know, it's what we've always done here at BH, but, you know, they haven't done it elsewhere and that's okay. It's not done according to the whim or the taste of the pastor or his people. It's not just for a certain type of pastor. Now, the the work of a pastor teacher is, is crystal clear here, isn't it? Is he a priest? A healer? A social activist? A performer on a stage? He is a preacher. God's good news message at the heart of his word, the Bible, of the cross and a resurrection is glorious. And God will not accept excuses from shepherds of his precious people who keep that gospel quiet. And so preachers are under obligation to preach. 
I just wonder then, do, do you realise the importance of preaching? Perhaps you knew it was up there somewhere, but this high, a great Methodist preacher in the early part of the 20th century said, preaching is in the shadows. The world doesn't believe in it. What about you? Could it be said in this early part of the 21st century, preaching is in the shadows, the church does not believe in it. Think about what we learn at school. Some of us are there. We get taught about good morals, care for the environment, human equality, as well as, you know, the three R's. But my guess is that none of us have had one mention at school of the priority of preaching for the flourishing of humankind. I mean, the idea is almost laughable. But humanity's maker could not be clearer. For pastors then, preaching the word is a God-given duty. I take it for the rest of us, sitting under the preached word is a God-given priority. But there is such a thing as false teaching or bad preaching and we discover here what good preaching is and it's important for us to know so that you know what our measuring stick is biblical and not what we might like this here is the preaching we all need to look for and encourage when we have it good preaching is, is ultimately it's a straightforward duty and what i mean by that is that it's not hard to understand what good preaching is about Beginning of verse 2, preach the word. Paul's just reminded Timothy, we heard it read from verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The pastor-teacher then has all they need for ministering to God's people. Here in this book, the Bible, the word of God. You see, friends, the word of God does the work of God, by the Spirit of God, in the people of God, and amongst God's world. So then if somebody was to ask, what is God doing this year? What's he doing amongst us? What's he, what's he doing in Hoven? What's he doing in the world? Whatever he is doing, he is doing through his word, as his word goes out. So what must preachers do? Preach it. And so what must we look for in our sermons? We must look for preachers to show us what is written in this book, the Word of God. Not just show us, but to preach it, to declare the Bible's truths about human sin and God the King and and the Saviour, to declare it as the authoritative truth that it is. Now I know that that kind of thing is pretty unpopular in our day and age. But let's be clear, the preacher is not here to entertain, to tell jokes, to show video clips for the rest of their lives. The preacher is here to proclaim the Bible, the Word of God. And this means that effective preaching is not mainly related to the particular idiosyncrasies or character or level of ability of any individual preacher. You will find preachers greater ability elsewhere 
than my church and even here. But so be it. The real issue is that the scriptures are opened. It is that the word of God creates by the spirit of God a divine encounter with God himself, such that the one who preaches the word then is, is as it were, in, in the background. What is significant is that the voice of God is heard. And, of course, that people are listening. <laughs> that is what we all need to hear the word preached. So, of course, the central reason why we gather on Sundays. And the rest of verse 2 here speaks about when and how preaching is to happen. In, in summary, preachers are to preach the word always and in all ways. So, always. Verse 2, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. There are seasons, and some are more daunting than others. Let me paraphrase what one experienced pastor says. If a pastor stays for any length of time in a pastorate, they'll know cycles. Sometimes it feels like spring, sometimes summer, sometimes autumn. Sometimes it can feel forever like winter in the highlands. He was Scottish. So tempting to give up then, isn't it? To try something different. So tempting for the preacher to do that. But what's a pastor to do in winter? Preach on. Whether I feel like it or not, whether people want to hear it or not, your preachers have just got to keep preaching. When people are hostile and when they're receptive. When they're tuned in and when they're tuned out. When the prospect of Sunday is delightful and when the prospect of Sunday is dreadful. When the church is growing, when the church is dwindling. When I come home from the Sunday service and say to my wife, tomorrow morning I'm going to get a proper job and she says to me, you're completely unemployable, stick at what you're doing. In season and out of season. Now, two preachers who understood this were Dick Lucas, an Englishman, and the Australian John Chapman, or Chapo, who died a couple of years ago. Now, Lucas and Chapo were good friends, and they often used to holiday together. And on one holiday in Switzerland, they're in a big cable car with about 20 odd people, but it grinds to a halt halfway up. They're stuck. Chapo pipes up, ladies and gents, it looks like we'll be here a long time. Let's not waste the time. Lucas is probably thinking, good old chap, who's going to tell them the gospel? Chapo says, so I'd like to introduce my friend Dick Lucas, who's going to tell you how you can become a Christian. And then Lucas just has to go for it. Oh, isn't that great? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And clearly when it comes to our culture, we're out of season. The time is not favourable for the preaching of the word, as it has been at other times in the history of this country. Not favourable, both with regards to the general scepticism of authority that I referred to earlier. Preaching is reviled, discussion and dialogue are so prized, and you know, my own opinion and so on and so forth. Also, because of the various specific things that the Bible teaches that are radically at odds with the culture. But nonetheless, pastors are commanded to preach the word. Preaching must happen always, and preaching must happen in all ways. So look where Paul goes next. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Let's just walk through those. 
So you know, again, what kind of preaching you ought to be praying for and looking for and so on and so forth. Good preaching involves correction, correcting error with God's truth, the Bible. Good preaching will include rebuking people who are being persistently sinful in whatever area. That's a God-given mandate here in this verse. And good preaching involves encouraging God's people to keep going with Christ. And, and it's easy for a preacher to, to, to actually leave out any of those, to get the balances, you know, major on one and, 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 and hardly on another. And, um, well, particularly the first two, of course, because they want to be popular. Preachers need to have a balance of all three. And they're to preach, we are to preach, with great patience. Why did he have to say great? Great patience and careful instruction. So good preachers aren't like, come on, you know. Why don't you get it? Come on. No, it takes time for any of us to learn the truth. I mean, I can hardly believe it, but people won't always pay attention to my preaching. I know it's hard to believe, but then good preachers, patiently, carefully, that well, they repeat themselves, they return to the same truths again and again, where people don't get it, they don't get frustrated, they wait, they pray that pennies would drop. And so you see, the, the charge is that it's really quite straightforward. Preach the word, always and in all ways. And by the way, I've, I've spoken particularly about Sunday preaching, but of course this doesn't mean that, that, that the only place for preaching is in a Sunday service. Could it be a school? Could it be even in a, in a home where we have a, somebody give a little talk at a, at a supper party? Or I, I don't know what it could be. All sorts of, of avenues. Of course, in times gone by, it's been open air. And it still is in some places uh, today. Well, this is the kind of preaching we must pray for. And, of course, sit under. Straightforward, it's simple to grasp. It is rather harder to do for a number of reasons, but I want to focus now on the one that Paul gives. And that's because it's harder to do. It's hard to do because it is often rejected. Uh, and indeed by people who once wanted it. That's where Paul takes us. It's a God-given duty. That doesn't mean it'll always be welcomed. It's also disliked duty. Not universally so, of course. But preachers need to know this. Preach the word, verse 2. Verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather round them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. And so this phenomenon is not unique to that period or this period. It's happening today. It continues to happen. Uh, and you find it to some extent where people are complaining about biblical teaching. You know, oh, we're not going to have another boring sermon, are we? We're not going to have another talk from the Bible, are we? The people here are squarely opposed to God's word. They won't put up with sound doctrine. They just won't, won't put up with what's in, in, in God's word. They gather teachers who teach what they want to hear, what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And they turn from the truth, turn aside to myths, to lies about God, about humanity, and so on. And so these are people who, instead of availing themselves of the teaching that will make them godly, and spiritually healthy, and useful, 
have gone off in search of the intriguing, the fascinating, the speculative, the spicy, just the easy on the ears. People who, if they don't like the way the word of God is opened up to them, simply move off down the street where they do like what's taught. You know, I'd, 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 I'd like a teacher who's a nice teacher, not like you, Howarth. I'd like someone to tell me what I want to hear. Well, that's my surname, by the way, Howarth. So, so you know, in, in contemporary terms, it's yes, going to, to that place where they just tell me things I already believe and already, you know, want to believe that's easy to believe. Or, and it's, 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 you know, this download, that YouTube channel, this app, that podcast, all saying easy to hear messages, but messages full of myths, full of lies. None of them saying the truth of God that may sometimes be hard to hear, but is the only truth that sets somebody free. The only truth that brings salvation and hope of the new creation. There will be desertion from the truth. And elsewhere in 2 Timothy, Paul's clear about the immense damage that does to people. This uh, cartoon uh, rather uh, chimed in. Hi, I'm Father Ronald McDonald, and I'll be teaching you what you want, although heaven knows what good it'll do you. In fact, uh, as it happens already in my time at Holy Cross, we haven't been there, we've 11 months uh, so far, there have been one or two who've walked away from us, apparently, for this kind of reason. This means that it's no walk in the park to be a preacher of the word. But clearly when this kind of thing happens, if this kind of thing happens here at at, at BH, you know somebody who's moving, it's it's not a sign that we're, we're necessarily getting things wrong. It could well be a sign that we're getting things right. Because it's not that people don't understand our message. It's that they do understand it. And they don't like it. And so then Timothy says to Paul, you know, what do I do now in the light of this? And Paul basically says in verse 5, preach the word. Keep going. Don't throw in the towel. Keep steadily preaching the word. Verse 5, well, verse 5 has got four final instructions. And again, we'll walk through them. But you, keep your head in all situations. And the idea here is of being sober-minded. To be alert to what's going on, the dangers, the pressures. The pastor is not to hit cruise control, put things on automatic pilot. We're to be sober-minded, not fall asleep. It's essential to be alert, vigilant, not succumbing either to wrong teaching or to the failure to teach or to being crushed when people walk away for... um, because they don't like the word. It's not to be intermittent. I mean, to imagine, imagine if you were taking a flight somewhere. Maybe you did that this, this summer. And imagine, you know, the pilot in their, you know, pre-flight spiel. You know, we'll be traveling at this speed and going up to this height and you know, whatever. And, and it just adds, it's my firm intention not to crash very often. I've I got to get off right now. Not to crash at all. Well, the pastor, not intermittent attention, sober-minded, keeping their head in all situations. Then endure suffering and do the work 
of an evangelist. Let's take those together. Now, for Paul, that suffering was physical, as it is for many other preachers of the word around the world today. I came across this little um, passage of a book called Tortured for Christ by Richard Vermbrandt, who was imprisoned for his faith behind the Iron Curtain. He says, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted the communists' terms. It was a deal. We preached, and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy beating us. So everyone was happy. Whether the suffering is physical or or just mental, emotional, it, it will come to faithful preachers. I wonder if you knew that about your preachers. You see, people are chasing around in search of all kinds of gospels to save them. And so says Paul, don't fail to guard and preach the true gospel of God that saves. Some will believe, but there's a cost involved. Preachers do need to be able to declare the Bible's assessment of man as sinful, guilty, responsible, and lost. And how does that go down? If we're prepared to do this in our pulpits and personally, winsomely, kindly, but unequivocally say this, to declare, to discuss man's condition as a sinner before God, it will come at a cost. Nevertheless, Paul says, keep at it. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. And as a great final summary, summary phrase here, the end of verse 5, he says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. In other words, finish the job. God has given you. It means pursuing faithfulness and fruitfulness, not numbers and notoriety. This means fulfilling the ministry you've received, not the one you wish you had. It means persistently preaching the word for as long as you're leading those people. Now we are, I think, sorely in need of being convinced as the climate around us is so against this, that the regular preaching of the Bible is the driving force that shapes authentic Christians and churches and brings people to to Christ, to the glory of God. So let's just take a historical perspective. These are the words of a man called H.C. Brown Jr. Whenever Christianity makes substantial progress, great preaching has led the way. In the history of Christianity, there have been five great centuries of growth and development. These same five periods are the five centuries of preaching. The first with the Apostles, the fourth with Chrysostom and Augustine, the thirteenth with Francis of Assisi and Dominic, the sixteenth with Luther and Calvin, the nineteenth with Spurgeon and McLaren. Contrarywise, whenever preaching has declined, Christianity becomes stagnant. The Dark Ages in the fourteenth, fifteenth centuries, and in the seventeenth and eighteenth centuries, in most countries, preaching was weak and defective. You see, friends, God's word is ultra-powerful. The preaching of the word, then, has a special place in God's plan to grow his kingdom. Therefore, whatever the needs and problems in a church, the preaching of the word is crucial to making and keeping and growing a healthy church. Where does this leave us? Clearly, this was primarily a message for Timothy, the pastor. And so for our preachers, keep 
faithfully preaching the word, whatever the response. But for the rest of the church, a couple things as we end. Prayerfully support ministers who keep preaching the word. Do you see how important it is that this happens? And yet how much pressure there is not to do it? How will you ensure that praying for your pastors is a regular part of your life? It'll be a really important thing, um, an encouraging thing to do for your pastors. And then finally, prioritize being with your church to listen humbly to the preached word. It's got to be the case, isn't it? If preaching of the word is this important, and by the way, some people think that, that this instruction at the beginning of verse 2, preach the word, is the, as it were, mountaintop instruction of, of the whole of 2 Timothy. And I, I can totally see that. If it's this important, then what have we got to do? Well, we've got to sit under the preached word, haven't we? And, friends, clearly, God wants his people hearing preaching live, in real time. And hearing it from those God has set apart to shepherd his people. I take it there's a special power in that, which means that listening to even the best preaching online is no substitute for habitually listening live to our own pastors. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I wonder if we need to talk about church attendance. Christians often miss church. Christians often give many reasons not to be at church. But God in his word gives us many reasons to not miss church. And here is one. We encounter the living God in his word in a special way as his word is preached. And so it's one reason why if you're smart, you'll make church the immovable thing in your weekend, every weekend. The thing around which everything else must fit. Now, clearly there, there must be exceptions to that rule. But let's learn the difference between a necessary absence and an unnecessary absence. Here's a word for youngsters who live with Christian parents. It's what a Christian I heard recently said as he reflected on this passage. He said, how I thank God at this point in my life for parents who ignored all my stupid boyhood rebellion and said, I know this, I know you think this and that, but you'll be in church with us. And yes, you'll be in church again with us, and again with us. And he thanks God now for that. He knows how much more important being there to hear God's word preached was than really anything else he could have been doing and he might have wanted to do. Maybe you can think of friends who are sporadically at church and really don't need to be. Do step in. Help them. Think about that. Think about how they could be more here more often to hear the word of God. And clearly it is an incredible service to this church. If you bring children, friends, children if you're you know, parents, to church, both Christians and non-Christians, to hear the word of God preached. But just as we end, of course, being here is one thing. Listening is another. And so just three quotes that might lead us in the right direction. Sir and Kierkegaard said, people have an idea that the preacher is an actor on a stage and they are the critics, blaming or praising him. What they don't know is that they are the actors on the stage. He, the preacher, is merely the prompter 
standing in the wings, reminding them of their lost lines. A lady with an extraordinary name, Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, uh, also has an extraordinary testimony of how she became a Christian. She used to be a lesbian academic. She's, she was converted to Christ. And she said this, I came to believe that my job was not to receive and critique a sermon, but to dig into it, to seize its power, to participate with its message, and to steal its fruit. Or just finally, as David Mathis says in his book, Habits of Grace, few practices will energize and affect your Christian life as much as sitting attentively under faithful preaching. And so, which would concern you more? An aggressive letter opposing your Christian beliefs? Or in our Sunday services? We stop having sermons and instead have group discussions. Well, regarding the first of those, we saw last week, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's part of the course as a Christian. We're seeing this week, I give you this charge. Preach the word. And so, we must have the word preached. And we must make a priority of humbly sitting under the preaching of the word. Let's pray that God would help us to do that. Great and mighty God, your word comes to us not as an opinion to be debated, but as truth to be accepted, believed, and trusted. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would love the preaching of your authoritative, freeing word. Please uphold our preachers. Please help them to persevere in this important, glorious, but strenuous task. Please help us, we pray, to be committed to preaching of the word. For the glory of the Lord Jesus in the church and in the world, we pray. Amen.